Now, for the show that brings combat sports stories to life from the great state of Ohio, this is Forged in Ohio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 32 of Forged in Ohio. My name is Jake Murrin, and I'm the host of the podcast. I made the announcement at the end of episode 31, but if you haven't heard, Forged in Ohio is now on Facebook. So if you haven't already, go support the podcast on that social media platform by liking and following the page. That would be much appreciated. We do move along today, though, with another episode as I'm joined by yet another fighter representing Immortal Mixed Martial Arts. This fighter is 2-0 in his amateur mixed martial arts career and is coming off his second win at Cage Thunder 21 in what was a very fun and exciting contest. Without further ado, let's bring him in. Joining me today for episode 32 is Isaac Karg. Thanks for coming on the show, Isaac, and welcome to Forged in Ohio. Of course, of course, man. I've uh, I've watched since the first episode. I remember when I uh, posted the first one with Miles, and uh, I thought it was so cool that somebody was doing uh, like local showings and, and giving us a platform and things like that. So I followed you immediately, and I've been watching for a year now, like popping in here and there. And I'm just I'm I'm honored to be on here. You know, seeing all my, I've had teammates, Josh, Miles in here, other guys I know, and Devin, Devin, uh, I'm just happy to be here, dude. Happy to be able to speak and tell you guys everything, the story. Yeah, man, that's awesome to hear that you've been a fan since last October when I started this Forge in Ohio journey with one of your teammates, Miles Robinson. And you have some incredible teammates, by the way. Miles Robinson, Josh Pereira, those guys are insane characters that I loved having on the podcast. And I could not be more happy to have you joining me on the podcast now, too. And I'm sure you have this wild backstory that I can't wait to uncover. And that's kind of where I want to start with that story and how you got into the fight game, Isaac, because I believe you have some South Carolina roots but you fight out of Ohio. So talk to me about that and also how you found mixed martial arts. So I'm originally from Ohio. Uh, I'm out of Bellfountain, the 937. I'm a chieftain at heart. I was raised there until about 13, and I was relocated down to Florence, South Carolina. And down there, you know, I, I wrestled when I was in Ohio. I was I was really happy with everything I was doing up here. But when I went down south, there wasn't any sort of wrestling opportunities or any schools near me that had a wrestling program. So uh, around my senior year, me and a group of buddies, one of my friends who knew I was into MMA, and I, at this time in high school passing through, I, uh, I was really sort of just into the sport and watching everything, watching from footage. And by that time, all my friends and stuff have known. And one of my buddies convinced me uh, after about five weeks of saying no to him to uh, do like a backyard boxing contest. And uh, a lot of our other friends actually hopped on and we ended up doing three events, two of which are on YouTube, uh, still under Westside Fight Club. And we essentially created a platform for ourselves. And there's a lot of guys out of that who still this day are fighting. My buddy RJ, I've had buddies like uh, my buddy Mason, Cole Gilman, uh, TJ Hambries. These guys have all trained past them. They have all, there's other fighters that have came out of this. I'm just one of three now that are competing. And my coach, uh, as some know, my coach found me off of those videos and told me to train. And after about a year of that, I relocated up here to Ohio and uh, started training under the Matt Brown camp and, uh, 
everything's been smooth sailing since then. Yeah, that's so interesting to me because you shared these videos with me yesterday, the Westside Fight Club videos, and I'm so happy that you did send them to me. It's just a crazy thing to watch seeing you all those years ago <laughs> fighting in backyard boxing. Yeah, At the time, why weren't you like so into the idea? You mentioned week after week saying no to your buddies. Why were you opposed to the idea at first? <laughs> At this time, I was, uh, I guess you could call myself self-trained, I suppose. I got, I was lifting a lot and I was a lot bigger than my buddy at the time. And I ended up doing it because eventually everyone just caved in. I, I really didn't want to hurt him is really what it was. And uh, we boxed and he's still alive today. So I'm, I'm really happy for that. <laughs> And was there really, like, any competition for you out there? I saw you compete in, I think, three fights in those two videos, at least, and it looked pretty easy for you out there. Yeah, it was, uh, that was sort of why I got discovered. I thought originally, before I'd even competed, and I hadn't done wrestling in forever, that even in a backer boxing match, I didn't have that confidence within myself yet. Because I haven't gone out there and showed, you know, or shown myself that I can go out there and still compete or maybe even beat someone up in a fight. But honestly, there wasn't too much competition. We tried to get one of the guys who was pretty rowdy, who had already graduated to box me and some other people and stuff like that. But, you know, never happened. Water under the bridge. But, yeah, I, I shined during those videos. And my coach's stepson, who I was actually really good friends with growing up, he texted me and he reached out to me and told me, he's like, hey, you know, my coach, out of every one of those videos, you showed out really well and they're really interested in training you. I came into Ozone Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, my home team under Cliff White and Paige White, and they took me in. Those guys are like a second set of parents for me. I immediately helped with kids' classes. I did anything I could. I was so into the sport that by the time I had an opportunity to actually train it, and I, I didn't even know our, our town even had a Brazilian jiu-jitsu gym or anything like that. But by the time it came down to training the actual sport, I was just grateful to even be doing MMA, you know, starting from this, you know, hillbilly boxing that I was doing previously. Yeah, I was going to mention that. Like, did you even imagine that that could have led to that result, finding your coach and finding a gym like that just from these backyard boxing events that you first joined in the first place with these West Side Fight Club events? I never I, I never envisioned any of this. You know, out of high school, at a gra graduating out of high school, I, I really had no plan for myself. And for a little while, I felt lost in terms of like careers. You know, your friends are going to college things like that. So I, I felt out of place for a long time. And being brought into MMA, I just wanted to learn as a student. I've, and still to this day, I don't claim to be anything. I don't, I, I'm nothing but a student when it comes to this. You know, you never learn enough because I, I feel like you never know enough. But I, I never envisioned this. You know, I, I, it's kind of funny how I ended up at a mortal about nine months into training jujitsu and Dutch kickboxing at uh, Ozone and everything. I saw an Instagram ad for the mortal gym while I was in South Carolina, no idea how it popped up. And I essentially, uh, I messaged Lauren, one of our gym's <laughs> managers, and she was all for the idea of me coming up and training. And I saved up everything I had. I moved up there at 20 by myself, you know, no parents, no anything. And, uh, I lived out of my buddy's room for a little bit just to train, just, just to train at the place I'm at now. So it's starting up. I had no idea I was getting into this, but once the wheels got running, 
I really realized my full potential and I wanted to apply myself to that in any way possible or that I meant moving all the way up here to Ohio to try to pursue what I see as a dream or starting a fight club when you have no other opportunities. You know, I, I loved fighting so much. I think that subconsciously, maybe if I didn't want to build my own path, but I was doing it anyways. You mentioned kind of being lost there for a little bit after high school. For you, what part of your life did you realize that mixed martial arts and fighting was right for you? And this was something that you wanted to pursue post high school graduation and even beyond. I would say about four or five months into training, I had a conversation with one of my teammates, Jacob, and he had mentioned, you know, he's an old older fella taught me so much gave me my first pair of gloves which i still ironically use today because they fit my hands the best he was the first person to ever tell me you know one day i want to see you at the top and i want to see you on that big stage and you know thinking that when you first start this i feel like everyone when they first go into their first couple jiu-jitsu practices or if they have aspirations of going into the ufc you, you think those things in the back of your head, but it was the first time hearing someone sort of telling it to me and telling me that I could do it really sort of ignited a, a pathway inside of me and, and made me think like, okay, you know, I can compete. And then I had more confidence to, to spar. And then I, I took my first uh, PKB point kickboxing fight, won that by knockout. And then from there on out, after I had my first fight, I, I kind of knew, uh, I knew this was right for me. I, I knew that it, all the outside distractions, you know, I was so bothered with what everyone else was doing. And I was finally getting appreciation for what I had done, not only from like myself internally, but peers around me, everyone. And that, that kind of ignited it for me. It was seeing other people around me sort of acknowledge me and, and, and telling me that I, I could do this. So I'd say that prob probably my conversation with Jacob. I, I still remember it on the mat still, still to this day. And then that journey back to Ohio at 20 years old, living in your friend's room and everything like that. What were the emotions like on that drive back to Ohio or coming back here, training at Immortal? Were you excited? Were you nervous about taking that huge leap in your life? What were the emotions like? Nervous. <laughs> nerves, nerves, nerves. I usually, I'm a very calm person when it comes to fighting in general. I don't really get like nerves and stuff when I step into the cage or anything like that. But when I'm meeting, you know, new people. You have that initial anxiety and stuff like, is this gym going to be right? You know, it's you hear the illustrious name of Matt Brown, you know, and you, you see Mark Coleman when you go in there. And my mind was blown at 20 years old, seeing Coleman, who I had watched on Pride Tapes growing up and all that kind of stuff. I was immediately starstruck. And then I met him. He's a cool guy. And now I call him Uncle Mark, you know, and things like that. I, I know everyone around the gym. But my first time I went, I, uh, I actually got my ass kicked in jiu-jitsu. And it was a, a moment for me because I, at that point, I had gone to other jiu-jitsu gyms, gone ginger gym, and uh, I wasn't really getting the competition I wanted in South Carolina. I come up here. I got torched. I didn't get a single submission in my first practice. And going home, having that silent car ride home that everyone knows about, I knew that, one, I had a new skill level and a new ceiling to hit and a new mountain to climb. And two, I knew I had found my right place. You know, so initially I was nervous, but I, I would say after the first practice, I knew I was home. 
So you weren't deterred at all from not getting a submission in that first practice. Instead, kind of motivated, it sounds like, to get back in there and improve your game. Very much so. Very much yeah. so. It That's the kind of stuff that motivates me. If you're going gym to gym, and that's what a, a big issue was uh, that I was facing in South Carolina, you know, no disrespect to anyone down there or anyone I was training with or any gyms, but I would go, you know, to specialists. I, my, my thing has always been, I believe that you should have a home MMA gym and if you want to cross train, cross train with specialists, cross train with jujitsu guys or kickboxing specialists and stuff like that. And I would go to boxing gyms and I would do well or and exceptionally well. And I would go to other jujitsu gyms and I would do exceptionally well. And I would go to Muay Thai gyms and I would spar their guys and I would come home and, you know, I was winning those bouts and you sort of those sessions and practices, but I knew that I shouldn't have, you know, I, I was a year in, I, I saw the ceiling in front of me. So now that when I moved to a new place with guys that are giving me a challenge and not only that, but these dudes are my teammates, I don't have to go anywhere now. That was a big moment for me. And what has Immortal meant to you so far in your career and getting to train with guys there and even learn from some legends like you mentioned, Matt Brown, Mark Coleman, what's all that like there at Immortal? It is what you make out of it. Going to a gym with so much talent around you and not only just the coaches, but it's also the fighters in the room and stuff like that. They make it a really comfortable experience. I, I never had any anybody try to chest up with me or anything like that. Going to Immortal definitely changed my career. And I, I always felt that I was meant to train here. You know, my first fight I watched back in, I think, 2017. And I can still remember it clear as day. I, I had stopped watching MMA for years. It just really wasn't into it. You know, you're an angsty little teenager. You've got other stuff going on. You know, Call of Duty is your biggest worry at that point. But um, I watched Matt Brown, ironically, uh, fight Diego Sanchez, the elbow. And I saw it on live TV and I saw, I knew that, you know, like I mentioned previously, when I saw the ad and when I came into the room and I see Matt and I see Mark and these guys are kicking my ass and stuff like that, I knew that everything I was doing up to that point led me to this gym and this spot and really getting to train over the years with Immortal and working with my coaches, you know, Harrison, Shane, Cam, Matt, Mark, Jamie, my boxing coach, Corey, you know, all my guys at Sheely's up in Bell Fountain. It really, it really meant a lot to me to be at this spot. And uh, still to this day, you know, I, I've been there for almost three years now. I'm grateful every time I step on the mats. I'm grateful just to be surrounded by the people I have and the coaches and, and staff that Immortal provides. You know, everything that our gym is able to put out is the reason why I came. You know, it's it's the resources that they have have taken me to this point. And it's, it's the reason we're having this conversation today. You know, I'm eternally thankful for Immortal. Yeah, and I've heard nothing but good things there, and I had the honor of going down there and visiting Immortal Martial Arts a couple months ago, and I could just feel it, like walking in there and that atmosphere that Immortal has, I could just feel that this place is breeding not only guys at the highest level, but also this next generation that includes you and a bunch of other guys that have had on Forge in Ohio. I guess just talk about that, like the atmosphere at Immortal and then training with guys like Josh Pereira, who I've had on, and like Miles Robinson, who I've also had on Forge in Ohio. What does that mean to you to have that camaraderie there, but having those guys coming up with you right now in, in MMA? 
Most definitely. I think the biggest thing for me, or one of the biggest things for me, uh, is working my wrestling up here. Guys like Miles Robinson, uh, Gavin and Jamie Biasden, you know, Mark uh, Coleman, you know, everybody, those guys taught me how to wrestle again. You know, I'm not ashamed to admit that. And you know that once you're working with a guy and once you get hit by a, you know, Miles Robinson punch, any other punch past that when you step in the ring is not going to feel the same. If you can survive that and you can survive some of Coleman's death rounds, you're perfectly fine. You know, I, I feel more comfortable and so much more confident in my skills because of the training that I put in at the gym and also just the people I have around me. You mentioned before, like Miles and Josh. Josh is my brother, man. I, I always tell him that he is one of my biggest inspirations. When I first came here to Ohio and Immortal, I met him first day. This was when I think he had just won his OCL title or one of them or one of the many titles Josh got. And he was just so humble, you know, and he's a guy that will work with the new guys on day one, despite being a multi-time champion, going to the LFA and stuff like that. And it's not only just him, it's, it's everyone. That kind of mentality and attitude spreads to the people around. So everyone's like that. Everyone's willing to help. Everyone's willing to share knowledge and things like that. And it's, it's taken me a long way. It's taken me tr leaps and bounds from where I started. Yeah, man, that's incredible what's going down at Immortal Martial Arts Center. Once again, we're talking to Isaac Karg on Forge in Ohio. You're now 2-0 in your amateur MMA career. Before we get to your most recent win at Cage Thunder 21, I want to start with your amateur debut. You fought Jacob Carousales in April of 2022. You mentioned that you don't get a ton of nerves when you go into fights, but for that debut, how'd you feel and what were the nerves like heading into that first MMA fight? Perfectly fine, man. Uh, I, I've competed once before then in a point kickboxing fight, but it was no knockouts, very controlled area. It's almost not even, it's more of a spar than a fight. And I got nerves then. And uh, I remember going in the bathroom and telling myself then that all it took for was five minutes, a splash of water and telling myself, look, you do this every day and you're cool. Circle back around to my first MMA fight. It's it's really weird. I I would I went into that knowing from my first kickboxing bout that I had nerves right before the fight, and I go into my MMA fight and I had no nerves, and it, and it felt really weird to me because you always have that like anxiety sort of in the back of your head, but it it wasn't showing, you know. And while I'm getting my hand wraps and listening to Smokey Robinson and the BGs and stuff like that, just uh, really peaceful music, and I really don't feel anything. I didn't feel anything going in there the first time. And I, I went out there and did it. And I get in the back room. Immediately, uh, I throw up. Because that's that's where the nerves were. That's where I find out where the nerves are. The nerves are somewhere in my stomach, just not in my brain. I don't know how that works. Hmm. But uh, I, I get in the fights. I don't get nervous before I go in. I get right out of the cage. I go in the back and I puke for about 15 minutes. <laughs> And even after victory, you still get sick after your fights? Yes. Yes. Yeah. My last fight, my last fight, I was perfectly fine leaving out of the cage. You know, the doctor asked me, you know, do you need medical help? All that kind of stuff. Like, no, I just, I got to puke up some, uh, <laughs> some chicken I had earlier. But overall, just know, I, I don't really get nerves when I do this stuff. I, I enjoy it. You know, it makes me happy. It, it, it turns a big smile on my face. I remember going out this last one 
and just turning back my corner and just having the most disgustingly big grin on my face just because I'm, I'm happy when I'm in there. You know, this I, I hate I get nerves more about if my opponent's even going to show up than if I'm going to lose, you know, when I'm in there. And you've had experience with that, right? I think three fights went through between your first and second fight. Yes, yes. Three canceled bouts. Yeah, three canceled bouts. How frustrating is that for you, 22 years old, just trying to get experience in there as an amateur, having those three canceled bouts? Honestly, you know, I can't act like it didn't affect me. You know, part of me really wanted to get those fights, and, you know, I I, I won't give them press time or anything like that, but uh, it, one of the guys was the same dude twice, you know, and it, that really hurt me knowing that, you know, I, I prepared myself now three separate times you know i've gone through the weight cuts i've eaten the chicken and rice i wake up at 5 a.m i'm jogging with the crackheads down on campus and you know i i work hard for this stuff and i see when i see a pull out you know or, or someone backs out and it, it's not for a just reason it really disappoints me because it feels like not only are you just disrespecting me but you're disrespecting the game that you're in and the people that relied on you and, and to think that, you know, I got my family and stuff ready, you, your friends, everyone's ready. And then you got to go back in there Monday and tell everyone like, okay, the guy pulled out, you know, or maybe some people don't hear from you and they think you lost. I, I had plenty of people like, Oh yeah. You know, they messaged me after this last one was like, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, you lost your last fight. And I was like, I, I didn't lose. It's just, uh, I've had three canceled fights now. So I, I was in a depressed spot for a long time, but, I wasn't able to stay there because uh, as soon as I was, I ended up picking up an, another camp, and this one fell through. Uh, this one came through because uh, Steven's a beast, and he was game for the fight. And I, I was just happy to really get an opponent this time. You know, it, it was really troubling going through those pullouts and preparing each and every single time for nothing, essentially. You know, you, you get the ex experience, and, you know, your coaches tell you, like, okay, you know, you got a lot of good training in this last couple months, but... It, the person you are in internally you are it it stings like a knife you know getting put in your leg or something you know did it make you even more hungry just to get in there after those three canceled bouts and get in there with a guy like steven frazier who brought you the fight just like you brought him the fight at cage under 21 was there just even more motivation to get in there after you know you got the knockout win in your first fight not much injuries i'm i'm sure sustained no not <laughs> a ton of motivation heading into that second fight though Yes. You know, coming off my first fight last year in April, my plan was to get back in there around August because I was moving places and things like that. And I ended up getting that fight scheduled. I was so happy. I was so happy. I was it was weird because I was happy to be in camp. I, I knew that that's that's probably what jinxed it. Coming around to this third fight or the second fight after having those three cancellations, I was definitely ready. Um, I, I had been in camp for so long. I just knew that coming into this fight week and, and knowing the name I got with Steven, that he wasn't going to back out. It was awesome. And once again, you know, I was happy to be in training. I was happy to be in camp because I, I knew that I had a fight. You know, I, I knew that I had a guy who's going to actually step in there and not pull out. So I was definitely like extra motivated this time. You know, I was happy to wake up and do those runs at 5 a.m. instead of dreading it just because I had the opportunity to go out and put on.
And there's a lot to talk about with that amazing fight you had against Stephen Frazier at Cage Thunder 21. I'll start with the first round. Your leg kicks were on point and you landed some great ground to pound on top, but you did lose a point in the round. What happened in the opening round for you to lose that point? So uh, it's actually kind of a funny story. My coach Harrison was telling me in the back because I, I was, you know, warming up and everything and I had kicked Josh like twice but I had kicked my boy Gavin another time and he was telling me, he's like, Hey, you know, you gotta watch out for that when you're out there. And I was like, I know, I know. It's like, I just really hope I don't want to kick this guy in the face. It was my thought process going out there. Maybe I jinxed myself doing that because uh, I wanted to aim high on his chest with the teep so I could back him up. Him being a shorter guy, if I would have kicked down towards his legs, he would have had an opportunity to grapple and that's what he's in there for. So I wanted to make my kicks good i ended up landing that one on top of his chest and we were so sweaty that the kick slid up his chest flicked him in the chin and i noticed it immediately i owned up to it he wasn't hurt but the ref saw what he saw and he took a point which respect to him it, it, there's rules for a reason is that something that's just like an amateur role i'm assuming you can't do that yes. in the amateur level yes uh it's state it's a state-by-state -state basis right. thing so um like Ohio, I know that we can't kick in the head till we turn pro, but if I were to go to a state like Kentucky, I can head kick and pretty much do anything there. How frustrating is that for you as an amateur fighter to have to worry about those state-by-state -state rules and you throw kicks in warm-up, but then when you actually go out there, you get a point taken away for doing it? Very frustrating. It's a weird sort of dynamic, too, because I feel like having a rule and stipulation like that in the state of Ohio you're limiting your fighters, you know, you're limiting your fighters in the sense of that when we go and train Muay Thai, we're training head kicks, you know, it, because you need to learn these things. You need to learn how to get your leg up there. You need to understand the dynamics of throwing a head kick. You know, if someone moves to the right and their range is far and you can't land a hook, you know, you can throw like the kick to the leg or the body. But if they're a wrestler, like my opponent was kind of hard, you know, they're going to grab your leg. They're going to push you to the cage. So I think it limits fighters. It's it's really frustrating that we can't do head kicks. You know, we're allowed to punch each other as hard as we can. I could pick you up above my head and slam you down on the mat. And, you know, there's no problem with that. But I don't understand why uh, a head kick is where, you know, let's draw the line on that one. Yeah, and I feel like this comes up almost every single Forge in Ohio podcast when I have guests on that are amateurs and just really looking forward to turning pro. That way they can use all those different skill sets that they're acquiring right now as an amateur. With this second win, though, and in that opening round, when you lose the point, Frazier came out firing the final 15 seconds of that first round. You were largely dominant, but with the point deduction and with what happened there at the end, how did you feel between rounds one and two? That I lost it. I thought it was. Um, I thought I was down on the scorecards up until I. I thought I was losing that fight up until like the last minute or so when I got that final takedown. I knew I. I kind of clutched it, but going into the second, I was unaware. For the most part of the first, I dominated. He had a flurry, like you said, at the end of the round, and that's the way the round ended. So going into the corner. You're thinking, you know, you just took two or three big punches and they had a big moment. The crowd's on their feet. Those kinds of things can get to you. But I feel like in a weird kind of way, because it motivated me the way that I thought I was down, I fought harder. And I fought like I knew I had to win the second and the third because there's a possibility that the first may be tied up or that there's a way that the judges could have gave it to him because of the point.
So I, I was fighting off of a deficit mentally that whole fight. So before the judges' scorecards were even announced, how confident were you that you had done enough to win? By, uh, I would say I, by the end of it, I was, I was confident. By the time the fight had ended itself, I was pretty confident because I knew that I had controlled the second and I pretty much controlled the whole third. So I knew that I at least won two rounds, but my boy Aaron earlier that night didn't get a decision going his way and ended up being in a split. But I was pretty surprised when the judges announced it was a unanimous decision. Uh, they, I tied the first round on all judges, won the second and third. So I think the judges got it right, and I was kind of pleased with that. Looking back at that performance at Cage Thunder 21, how would you grade it? I know you were effective with the leg kicks and with the takedowns as well. What did you think of your performance at Cage Thunder 21? I'll give myself a C+. Plus. I'll give myself a C+. Plus. Every fight... Every fighter, I, I don't care. You go in there thinking you're going to finish your opponent, and you go in there with a mindset. And like Mike Tyson said, you know, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. And my plan initially wasn't to wrestle him. You know, my plan was just to keep it on the feet, keep his weapons away from, keep his weapons away from me. And I ended up having to explore a route that I didn't think I was going to have to do. Which to me, that's great. But I always want to have performances. You know, I, I want to go out and win the fight the way I want to. I didn't get to do that, but I still showed out my skills. So I wouldn't say it's a bad performance, but a finish is uh, where I start grading an A and B. Yeah, and I understand the, the self-criticism there, but it was still very entertaining. I was in the crowd that night. I thought your fight with Stephen Fraser really performed well among the fights that night at Cage Under 21, at least. Looking back at your prior performances, though, back at your MMA debut, and even those, those uh, backyard boxing fights as well, how far do you think you've come right now, June 1st, as we're talking? leaps and bounds it's crazy to think i still have uh videos i recorded of myself on a 16 i was looking at one the other day and my form is totally off you know and everything just looks goofy and stiff but i was what makes me happy is that in the video i can tell i was pumping sweat and i had been at it for a minute and that's how I started. You know, a lot of guys who first start this stuff, you know, MMA is a challenging sport. It's not an easy one to get into. And you're going to suck for a long time. You're, 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 in my opinion, you're not going to be good until about two or three years unless you have a good prior background or something that can translate athletically to MMA. So everyone's going to suck. And, and looking back to where I was and like even the Fight Club videos and stuff like that, I could probably kick that me's ass blindfolded with a hand and leg tied up you know so just seeing my improvement in training is crazy and as a fan of the sport and you know everyone's their own biggest fan i'm really happy that that's probably my one thing i'm happiest about when it comes to my training not the wins or anything like that i, I could be five and oh and i wouldn't be happy if i was still as good as i was at two and oh just to think that in the three to four years i've been doing this to see myself start from a kid that was throwing punches in his pool house and lifting weights and doing fight club fights to a person now that's speaking to you on a podcast about some of the best fighters in Ohio. It's insane, you know, and now it's starting to show. So I'm really happy now. Yeah, you said it, man. You've progressed leaps and bounds. Right now, how much further do you think you can take your game? To the roof, to the roof. 
and the the roof is retirement. I'm never going to retire. Uh, mm. I feel like I'm going to be 80 years old when I'm doing this. Uh, my dream is to be that old, old purple belt in the corner whose joints are all messed up and stuff. I don't ever want to stop doing this. This this is my passion. This has kept me calm and completely shifted who I am as a person. I don't hold any internal anger. I don't hold anything within myself that I used to. The things that used to plague me and trouble me as a kid and stuff like that don't have don't happen anymore. And I, I don't have those feelings. And that all started with MMA. And it's progressively continued as my trainings continued. And not only seeing myself as the fighter, but seeing myself as Isaac Cargett, a person, it, MMA has done leaps and bounds for me. So I don't think it can ever stop, actually. <laughs> I think this is just ingrained within me forever. Once again, this is Isaac Karg with us on Forge in Ohio. And I can tell that you have that just genuine love for the fight game with what you're saying here on the podcast. We talked about those three fights that fell through between your first and second amateur fight. How active would you like to be moving forward in your amateur career? Moving forward in my amateur career, I want to take things at my own pace. I definitely uh, have aspirations and goals on the belt. Um, I'm not one of those people that is going to tell you that by this next time, you know, by this time next year, I'm going to have a belt wrapped around my waist because life's crazy. And you might have three pullouts and you may think that next year you're going to have this kind of record and that kind of record. I take things one one day at a time and one practice at a time. I, I want to continue to get better. And once I feel that all of my points and all of my bases are covered, that's when I'll make my progression on the pro and stuff like that. But for the time being, I'm just going to keep getting better. And these people are going to see my ugly mug around here and they're going to have to hear a lot of me. And people are going to have to get used to, you know, me being around this amateur division. And I, I'm going to be here for a minute, you know, I, and until I win that belt, until I turn pro. I'm happy with the process of getting these fights and getting better. I could fight 12 amateur fights and I would still be happy. But optimistically, I want to get in there, have the bare minimum fights, turn pro and start getting paid for this stuff. You're currently ranked 12th among active amateur middleweights in Ohio. There are some killers ahead of you atop the list, but is this something that you pay attention to at all? And are you currently just trying to get as high as you can in your amateur career? And you mentioned those belts as well. Yeah, I uh, I, I just recently saw that. I, I bumped up to 12. Those guys, I've seen the rest of the division. I'm very happy with what we have right now. I'm just happy to be at a time where we have so much killers right now. Lots of names, lots of guys that I, I buy down. I give everyone respect, so I don't ever, I won't ever call anyone out or nothing like that. But I've, I've seen myself and I've envisioned myself amongst those top guys, and I know I can do it. But uh, optimistically, no, I, I don't pay attention to the rankings much. I, I like fun fighters and guys that want to fight me and guys that want to fight in general. And that, that's that's what I want to do. You know, it, whether it's climbing, staying my place and keeping that number 12, I'm happy with it. But I'm going to keep that. You know, I'm not going to drop under 12. It's going to be like that for a minute. Like I said, you guys are going to have to get used to me. And I'm, I'm just going to start picking guys off one by one. And then uh, then we'll see. You say you're not one for call-outs, but respectfully, when you look at those rankings and see those guys in the division, is there a potential name in mind that you would like to fight next and can really envision yourself having a great fight in there with next? 
not anybody off the top of my head. Um, there's a guy, uh, Brody Hale, out of Renegade Rumble. We started off the on this. We actually had our debut at the same time. And I noticed that he's gone 2-0 and in Renegade Rumble. I've gone 2-0 and now. So that may be a fight. But Optimus, or really, just nobody. Nobody in general. Uh, it's it's whoever, whatever name gets put in front of me, you know. When do you see yourself getting into the cage next? When can fans experience Isaac Karg and his glory next time in the cage? You guys can expect me uh, this late summer or August. I'm currently moving places right now, and I'm going to go on a little vacation soon. So after I get those two little dumb life things out the way, I'm going to be right back in there. I'm going to be right back in camp. This fight reinvigorated something within me that I feel like I lost for a long time. And, and I feel like I, I have my hunger back now. And now I really, really want to get in there and chomp at the bit. So as soon as I, as soon as I'm able to, you guys are going to see me back in there and see me throwing some punches, doing the man dance. And you competed for Cage Thunder last. Are you eyeing potentially fighting for them again in their next card in August or potentially anywhere you could get a fight in Ohio? Really anywhere I could get in a fight in Ohio is probably my goal right now. I won't limit myself to one promotion or anything like that. But I will say there's any amateur fighters out there looking to fight for a good promotion or looking to deal with people that are responsible and people that are very communicative go to cage thunder those guys treated me great i loved their promotion scott corbin and everyone at uh cage thunder treated me great and they do their fighters well and they, they definitely did that well so i for sure 100 percent, i will be back fighting for cage thunder before my amateur career ends and possibly winning a belt there yeah potential cage thunder middleweight champion in the future Yes, sir. Hopefully. Hopefully me and Scott Corbin talked about that. So that's something I really want. That's something I, I love that promotion and I would be happy to be a champion there. Hey, I love to hear it, man. You've had a great run as an amateur so far, just being 2-0. and When you talk about your goals as an amateur and then that transition turning pro in the future down the line, maybe get a, a build or two as an amateur, kind of like some of the guys around you did as well at Immortal. I know a lot of people in the fight game envision themselves as being world champions one day. And you talk about your dream of really never retiring and being that purple belt at 80 years old. What's your dream as a competitor in this crazy sport? My dream in this sport is to really put on the people around me and show that anything's possible. You know, a lot of people, they say they, they want the UFC title and stuff like that. I don't really know if that motivates me. My, my motivation is to be at the top and to compete with those guys and beat those guys. Optimistically, you know, there's always the belt. You know, you can always think of the belt. But my goal in this is just to show people, you know, and start from a teenager, you know, throwing punches and, and lifting 20s in your dad's pool house, you know, to going and training jujitsu and training for years and, and not having a fight, just enjoying it to, you can, you can move yourself across the nation. You can do anything really set your mind to. So when I get home and I see my little cousins and my mom, my sister, all my friends and everyone giving me props, that's my motivation. But it's not only that. I know that I'm not the only person stepping in that cage. You know, I have tons of, like I said, little cousins and family and friends that look up to me in a way. And to show them how far you could go with your raw ambition and how your, your work ethic and how much you want to put in, 
the outputs, you know, the outputs limitless. So yeah, I, I would honestly say I do this for the people around me and I not only do I do this for myself, but, uh, I'm doing this to show people what can be achieved. You know, success is the byproduct of hard work and I want to be a testament to that. So if I become a champion, if I, I end up turning pro and sucking and losing nine fights in a row, at least I went out there and did it, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I think with your skill set right now and how you've developed just from a couple of years ago in this short time period and training at Immortal with the best of the best in the world, or at least in Ohio, at least, right? Immortal being one of those top gyms in the state, you're really on that path to reaching the top and you've seen it so far in your amateur career. Before we wrap up, man, is there anything you want to shout out in terms of social media handles, things going on at the gym, sponsorships, anything like that here at the end before we wrap up, man? Honestly, I'm just going to give a big shout out to all my teammates at Immortal MMA. Uh, some of the other gyms that I trained at that I didn't get to mention, uh, Pilgers Boxing and Ohio Fitness and Martial Arts under Scott Sheely. Thank you, guys. Thank you to all my teammates at Immortal. Thank you to all my family and, and friends and things like that that supported me along the way. I've gotten so many messages and stuff like that that I can't really respond to, so I, I figured I'd take this in time. Thank you, everybody. You do this stuff you you make me want to put on for everyone so uh just shout out to that um and as far as social media handles you guys can follow me at uh isaac underscore card on instagram or uh isaac card on facebook or twitter um that's me yeah, there you have it, man. Also, our guy, Josh, the Flying Hawaiian Pereira, competing here soon, June 16th, I believe it is, for LFA. What do you think about oh, that yes, contest? Yeah. Does he get it done? Josh, be, oh, of course, with, without <laughs> a doubt. Uh, you know, Josh, that's uh, – you guys call him the Flying Hawaiian. He's got about 50 nicknames. I, I go by uh, the Hawaiian Missile Crisis. That one's one of my favorites. But, uh, yeah, that guy's going to kick ass. Um, so you guys make sure to tune into LFA for Josh's debut. He's a monster. He's, he's really a saw blade. So you guys make sure you guys watch that. And stay tuned for anybody from Immortal. We're all good guys. We're all, we're all gamers. You know, no, nobody who we put out there to go fight is ever going to go out there and disappoint us. You know, we all have straight killers. So if you ever see that eye or those green and black, just know pain is coming entertainment's coming and we're gonna win hell yeah man i can't wait to see him compete i can't wait to see all those guys at immortal get in the cage next well thank you again isaac for joining me on the show i know you listened to prior episodes of the podcast so you know what to expect here at the end i'm sure and i know you have those south carolina ties but there's that ohio pride in you as well so help me out here with the ohio chant oh I hope. Thank you, Isaac. I can't thank you enough for joining me. I'm excited to follow your career. I can't wait for what's next. Enjoy that vacation, and let's do this again sometime down the road, man. Awesome, brother. I can't wait to speak to you again. That was Isaac Karg, the 2-0 amateur mixed martial artist, and at 22 years of age, he's training with the best of the best at Immortal, and with where his game and skill set are already, I truly think the sky is the limit for him, and it was a pleasure to talk to him today on this episode of Forge in Ohio, and now he's not only on my radar, but hopefully on yours as well. Thank you everyone for tuning into this episode of Forge in Ohio. 
Don't forget about what I said at the top of the podcast. Check out Fortune Ohio on Instagram and now on Facebook as well. Also, don't forget to download episodes while you're listening to them on your favorite podcast platform. I'll talk to you all next week for another fighter interview. Until then, I've been your host, Jake Marin, and this was Forged in Ohio.